Hello! I know it is very random and strange for me to be doing an intro on an actual episode, but I wanted to pop in here and say that today's episode, this Creepy Encounters video, is my 100th true story collection. 100 true stories. When I started doing this back on December 9th of 2019, with episodes 1, 2, and 3 just being these short little paranormal stories where I spoke too fast, I never would have anticipated hitting 100 true story episodes. Now that's not counting my my scary stories, the the creepy pastas, the the fiction and the investigates and all that stuff. This is this is just true stories. So, thank you to all of you guys out there who have helped me get this far. Um, not going to keep going with this cuz I know you guys don't like intros as much, but thank you to all of you. Uh, very much, and I hope that you all enjoy. Hey guys, the first time I shared on Reddit, I was really encouraged by the upvotes and comments that you left. The post was about some experiences I had abroad, but to really live up to my username, I have stories about both my farm and my boyfriend's farm that might be interesting to you. Farms have a lot of history. My family has been farming in the exact same spot since the 1870s when my family arrived from Germany, and his family has been farming in the same area since the 1930s. Therefore, they have a lot of tales. My boyfriend's dad, I'll call him my father-in-law, or Phil, because he basically is, I swear has seen everything at least once and has the most interesting stories. I'll share a couple of his to start. For context, my boyfriend's family farm is on both sides of Iowa and Missouri border, since they live fairly close to the state line. They have corn, soybeans, and beef cattle on pasture. I particularly love the cattle because I love getting to jump in the ranger and ride around the pasture with my boyfriend to check on the cows. We do this almost every night in the spring, summer, and fall to make sure they're healthy, not injured, account for the calves, make sure they have enough grass, and look to see if there are any holes or breaks in the fences. In the wintertime, they get moved to a lot with a covered shed to protect them from the elements, so they're not on the pasture and we feed them hay. Anyways... In the mid-2000s, my father-in-law was out in the wooded area of the cattle pasture. The trees are quite dense here, and it often serves as a great deer hunting spot in the late fall-slash-winter once the cows have been moved to the winter lot. He was setting up trail cameras in the woods to watch deer in preparation for hunting season that fall. After some time, he came back out to get the card out of the camera to see if there were any big bucks roaming around. When he took a look at some of the pictures, he saw that there had been an unusual man back there. Trespassers aren't all that uncommon, and often it's just an annoyance rather than cause for concern. There was no way to tell who it was, so he just forgot about it. A few days later, he went back to hang the camera back up in the tree. When my father-in-law went back a second time about a week later to get the camera to see the pictures, someone had dug three makeshift graves in the back corner of the pasture. 
At the head of each grave was a wooden cross with a first name on it. He unfortunately didn't catch the man on the trail camera, but he alerted the police about the situation. I think, based on the names on the crosses, the police had an idea of who it could have been. The rural Midwest is smaller than you think for being so fast. My father-in-law wasn't really sure what came of that, and never asked too much into it, but if he hadn't discovered those graves in the pasture and alerted the police, they might have been filled. For the second story, my father-in-law had some farms in Missouri that were bordered by the Missouri River. The Missouri River flows down through the Dakotas, along the Iowa-Nebraska border, and then into Kansas City it takes a turn and divides the state of Missouri in two until it reaches the Mississippi. One spring in the late 1990s, he was out in a field next to the Missouri River planting corn. This was before all the current high-tech tools that farmers have at their disposal now, which can tell you if you have an issue with your machine right from the cab. He thought that his planter was having some issues, so he jumped out to check if something was broken. When he got out of his tractor, he noticed a really strange smell. A bad smell. If you know anything about farming, planting season is fast-paced time to try to beat the weather, and he was more concerned about getting his crop planted than investigating. He just assumed it was a dead deer washed up in the river, and continued on until he thought the planter was having problems again a few hours later. This time, he was on the end of the field closer to the river. The smell was stronger, and unlike anything he had experienced before. They continued on that day working until one of the hired men asked if anyone noticed that bizarre smell coming from the river. My father-in-law said he had, and he wondered to them if it was a dead deer, but usually deer didn't stink quite like this. One of the hired men wandered across the field to the edge of the river, it's not like a nice sandy beach that touches the ground to make a shoreline, often it's a rocky or steep overlook many feet down to the river below to get a closer look. At the bottom, he saw what he thought was an animal tangled in the branches washed up by the river. Looking closer, he realized it was a person. They immediately called the police. Turns out, it was a missing woman who was a known prostitute from Kansas City who had made it this far downstream. I cannot find the exact article or name, and I don't know if the police ever told my father-in-law her name even though they briefly questioned him, but I do know there are a few articles of women being found in the river east of KC in the late 1990s. These are the two I'll share for now. Let me know if you're interested in any more strange tales from many years of farming. So, I moved into a duplex with my ex about three years ago, in what we thought was a safer part of the city. One of our neighbors, Amber, works in the duplex rental office, and her husband, Ed, was at the time fresh out of prison. Later, we would see all of the, um, tattoos. And he had been doing and continues to do landscaping work for the rentals, like mow the lawns, cut the trees, etc. Other than that, he is home mostly doing odds and ends, things like tinkering with his mower or truck or something. 
They are both super nice people, very kind and loving toward each other, and always offer to help out. We've smoked weed together a few times, Ed smokes more than Amber, and have talked about all kinds of things, so I thought I could trust them and felt very safe being their neighbor. I once mentioned how sometimes, when I'm home alone, I hear steps in the attic over my room and what sounds like a chair being dragged. How sometimes that noise follows me around the house and always freaks me out to the point of calling someone just to feel a little safer, at least until the noises die down. Ed said, What, you think we're spying on you? In a laughing way, but it creeped me out a little. So then, I break up with my boyfriend and he moves out. This is recent, so only a few months ago. Ed started texting me asking me if I wanted to smoke while Amber was still at work. I declined every time, finding different excuses because I still felt uncomfortable around him. Then he asked if I wanted to sleep with him because he thinks Amber is cheating on him. I definitely shut that down, and it was awkward as hell. I didn't tell Amber because I didn't want to get kicked out or or have some horrible, awkward tension, and I hate confrontation, so I kept quiet. That's when I start to hear things in the attic above my room more often. It freaked me out even more when I woke up to a loud bang outside my front door at 3 or 4 in the morning. When I went to examine it, there was a small lockpick outside my door on the ground, but no one around. I kept the lockpick, and the next day, I texted a picture of it to Amber to let her know that I thought someone was creeping around, and she said, Oh, that's Ed's. That's his ice pick, not a lockpick, sweetie. No one can pick your deadbolt with that. But I know the difference in a four-inch skinny-ass lockpick and an ice pick. I'm so scared to be alone here, especially at night. Our attics connect, and it's not outlandish to think he could be up there spying on me. I even found a freshly drilled hole in the ceiling of my room. I just put watered up paper in it and try not to think about it. I honestly hope nothing comes of it, and I'm just being paranoid. The OP added an edit. For everyone saying to call the police, I really have no evidence. I have the lockpick still and pictures of my door being messed with, but when I've gone into the attic, it's completely empty. I've never gone in alone because its opening is in my garage and there's no ladder, so it requires two people, but as of now, it is a gaping hole above my washer and dryer and very hard to get into without good upper body strength. I would call my ex to come home when the dragging would start and by the time he got there, it'd be cleared out. So I'm hesitant to report anything with no evidence. This is 100% true. I'm staying with my boyfriend until I move out in a few weeks, despite my neighbors being upset that I'm leaving. To address another thing, I didn't see any of the racist tattoos until months after I had been hanging out on their back porch to smoke with them. He had his shirt off for the first time, and there were at least three on his body. This confused me because Amber and Ed are super Wiccan. She has Wicca tattoos all over and stuff, and so I believe maybe his tattoos were for protection in prison? Either way, after that I stopped hanging out with them and would only speak to them if we were both outside at the same time. I put in my 30-day notice a few days ago, and they were very upset with me about it because I'm such a good neighbor. I'm staying with my boyfriend till then, and then we'll be moving somewhere else entirely. 
going to make a report with the police just in case something similar happens to future neighbors. So, thanks for the advice, everyone. I'm an 18-year-old kid in culinary school. This happened back in 2009. Our program has an underground parking lot attached to a lounge of our own located behind the cafeteria. Couples like going there because it's always empty and partially dark. I hated it, because it had a back door leading to the parking lot that was barely lit up. Barely anyone parked there, and so I found it creepy. Plus, being a horror fan, I knew that that was the perfect opportunity for things to go wrong. Long story short, I come out of class one day and this kid I don't know starts walking up to me, almost confrontational-like. I have my knife set with me, and I pull out a handle, readying to defend myself. He stops, and he hands me a paper. It reads, Meet me in the lounge. I look at him in confusion and ask who sent him the note. Was it my boyfriend, or someone in the culinary program, or maybe a friend from high school? He shakes his head and says he doesn't know, but that I should go. I question him on what this person looks like, and he refuses to give me any information. I chuckle nervously, put the note in my pocket, and walk past the kid to head to class. He starts following me, asking me if I'm going to go. I try ignoring him, heading towards the library to get into a public place, he follows. He tries telling me that I should go, that it's my destiny or some crap along those lines. I stare at him and pick up the pace, trying to head downstairs to the cafeteria in hopes of finding a classmate and losing the kid. He runs at the same pace, telling me he doesn't understand why I'm not going. I tell him because I don't want to, now go away and head into the cafeteria. By now, he's really creeping me out. I grab for my phone to call the police, but instead see a classmate and run towards him. The kid follows me, pointing towards where the lounge is and telling me that I'm going the wrong way. I instantly panic and tell my classmate what's going on. He approaches the kid and tells him to leave me alone, that I have a boyfriend and that I'm not interested. This kid tells me that they are waiting for me in the lounge and not to take too long. His words just give me the chills. My classmate walks me to our student restaurant and asks for some others to come with us. Three of my other colleagues come with us to the lounge. There's no one there. I get freaked out and decide that I need to go home. They walk me through the campus to the parking lot, where I call my parents to get a ride. One of the others stays with me, while the classmate who defended me goes to report the behavior to our teachers who use the lounge as a secondary office sometimes. He then comes back to tell me that they're going to investigate and keep an eye out for suspicious activity or for that kid. A few days later, I learned that a girl had been assaulted in that area, having parked there during finals and gone in through the lounge. The school newspaper had reported it, but there were no details as to who did it to her and if they were caught. I literally felt my stomach drop hoping that the girl was okay, and hoping that those people got caught. I reported my incident to the newspaper team, but they claimed she never dealt with anything like a note, and they never found the suspects. My mom is glad that I listened to my gut and didn't go. 
To this day, I still get chills thinking about it. The girl recovered. She got jumped but had no money, so they just left her, I guess, and escaped with only a few minor injuries. They never caught the attackers, and I never saw that strange kid again. All I can think of is, why me? If they were going for money, I was so poor that I literally lived off sesame crackers donated by my classmates because I had no money. I'm just glad that the girl is okay and that I listened to my gut. Who knows what would have happened if I had gone. Last Sunday, I was at my boyfriend's apartment for the weekend. My boyfriend left to go to work at around 8am, but not before touching my butt and giving me a kiss on the head. This obviously woke me up, but by the time I could open my eyes, he was already out the door. He forgot to lock the apartment door on his way out, to which I had not realized. I got up, put my contacts in, brushed my teeth, and put my workout clothes on, starting my day off right with some squats and crunches. Then I make some coffee and toast, hop on the computer to look up hotels and restaurants that the boyfriend and I could go on to in our little in-state vacation. The entry door leads directly to the open kitchen and living room area, which is where the PC is. I hear the door handle turning, and I get excited, thinking my boyfriend's coming home for an early lunch at 10am. The door quickly opens, and an older man in his 60s or 70s steps in. My first thought is maybe he's the electrician that the landlord said would be stopping by, but how odd that he didn't even knock or, oh, he's not wearing pants. Luckily, he was wearing underwear. This guy speedwalked into the apartment with such a glossed over look. I was mostly polite in the beginning, saying, sir, who are you? What are you doing here? This isn't your apartment. And I progressively began shouting and cussing him out, but nothing was phasing him. He went straight to the dining table and over to a large cardboard box the boyfriend had full of board games. He sat on them. He sat on the games. He looked like he was going to go to the bathroom on them, but then he tried laying down on the games. I got up and ran to the bathroom, scared for my safety as I'm only 5'2 and not as strong as I like to think I am. This guy was about six foot and on God knows how many drugs. I dialed 911 and informed the operator everything that happened as I'm shaking. She asked if I would be able to safely leave the bathroom to let the police in. I said, oh no, no need, it's unlocked, as that's how the guy got in. And she gave a little laugh. I laughed too. I heard the cops at the door, but they were talking to each other. I opened the bathroom door and peeked into the living room. There was no guy. I was nervous about checking the bedroom because I would have to go around a corner and wouldn't be able to see very well. Suddenly, I hear a, Sir, where are your pants? From the hallway. I'm standing right at the door to listen and texting my boyfriend everything that's just happened. They had the guy in cuffs, and the druggie kept shouting that they were hurting his hands. The officer asked him where he lives and what he's doing here. The guy said where he lived, which was seven streets away, and he's trying to go to bed. 
Yeah, not here, druggy. Boyfriend came home shortly after and comforted me. We went downstairs to see if the police needed my statement before they took off with the guy. And they said, nah, we already got it from three other people. We found out that he went into every unlocked apartment that he could. An officer walked by with a gallon Ziploc bag full of pill bottles. We found his pants and shoes in the hallway. So, in the end, all I can say is, lock your doors, folks. So there you are, my friends, the 100th true story collection on my channel. And it's a Creepy Encounters collection, so I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, some good stories here, and definitely some life lessons. Pay attention to your surroundings. Don't assume that smells are coming from dead deer. Um, don't pay attention to strangers in parking lots. And lock your doors. As always, these stories, while entertaining, are educational, and I do thank all of the Redditors for letting me use them. I know these can be very stressful stories, so to let me narrate them is genuinely appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you to everyone who listens to them and takes them, again, as both entertainment value and educational value. It is important to remember that life can throw you curveballs in the form of very, very strange people. Do your best to not get involved with them. But, alright friends, if you did enjoy it and would like more content like this or content that is so vastly different, it is like comparing blue glitter-covered hats to whiteboards, both things that are to my right, please consider joining the Nevermore. To join the Nevermore, all you have to do is hit that subscribe button and the bell icon next to it. You can also support the Nevermore by following me on any of the social medias, going to my website, AsTheRavenDreams.com, or supporting me through Patreon or Coffee. All of these optional all of them greatly appreciated, and a quick reminder that all patrons get early access to all videos. They also get some other special merch, random stuff that I send their way. The $10 tier gets an exclusive signed poster, assuming that you're in the US. If you're not in the US, I can't send you a signed poster, but I can send you a poster, so yeah. Anyway, thank you to everyone who watched this video, thank you to everyone who has watched my previous 102 story collections, and the other 270 plus videos that I've done. All of this is because of you guys. You are amazing. Thank you for being there. I love you all. I will see you on the next video. But until then, sleep well.